Happy to hear that uh, you're here with us on Chin 97.9. It's a brand new year. And Ernie, I haven't seen you since, uh, well, since last year, I guess, huh? Lucky you. (laughs) (laughs) Time flies. I trust you had a good uh, holiday break? Yes, my wife Yumna and I had a wonderful uh, time together with the family. And how about you? Uh, precisely the same uh, cousins friends relatives enjoying uh, uh, the uh, the uh, the welcoming in of a brand new year and hopefully a healthy one for all indeed 2010 here we are Gary on uh, show number 254 can you imagine February 1st will be five years ever since you said Ernie why don't you come in and do some shows on ADR <laughs> so who would have thought <laughs> and, and nobody's ever let me live that down <laughs> <laughs> well we're very lucky in terms of uh, the wisdom of the show is uh, today um, on January 5th, 2009, we have uh, uh, a very, very good show on Sinapka National Indigenous Center, Victoria Island, Algonquin Territory. It's on our series of Aboriginal Wisdom. We have here with us live in the studio, Judith Matheson, Interface Spiritual Director, co-founder of the Heart and Soul Light Center in Gatineau-Elmer. Uh, she's been on the show many times, and I thank you, Judith, for facilitating this show today and uh, part two for tomorrow. And thank you, Ernie, and uh, Happy New Year to you both and everyone out in the studio and the uh, world listening to this wonderful CHIN program. And also, Sister Mudgalam Lena, founder and director of Home-Based Spiritual Care, uh, who uh, Judith recommended. I met uh, you this morning, and thank you for coming in, Sister. It's going to be a great contribution you're going to make to the show today. Thank you, Ernie. And on the phone with us is Ramola Thumbadol, coordinator of the Circle of All Nations, Circle de Toutes les Nations. Um, she's been on the show before. She's um, works with Grandfather Elder Commando. We're going to hear more about that. And Ramola, thank you for joining us on this first show for 2010. Thank you for inviting us, and Happy New Year. And, um, okay, I'm going to turn it over to Judith. She's going to facilitate the, <coughs> this, uh, this uh, first uh, part of the show today. So, Judith, uh, maybe you can start with your uh, short uh, background, short background of yourself and your commitment, and then introduce our guests and they're going to both going to make a presentation this morning great thank you ernie and i'm really pleased to be here and, and um, but not necessarily under these circumstances with you recovering from an almost fatal accident yesterday yes, <laughs> i'm so pleased that everything worked out for the highest good of all of us including you most importantly i'm very pleased to fill in as facilitator and i have been privileged to be part of this series of voices of wisdoms of the elders and the healing series of chin back in 2008 and it just shows how a small idea can come a very big dream Uh, as co-founder of the uh, heart and soul light center our goal when we first started in 1998 was to have activities uh, to nurture spirituality as a way of life a way of life that calls us to be in relationship founded on love friendship and fellowship so our world will have peace and harmony and i've met many wonderful people consciously awakened on this path from many diverse backgrounds and two of them on our are on our radio program today and i believe these guests are going to mirror to us the great spirituality that is needed for our times as they share their stories and their passion for spirituality and the vocation of service and the power of dreams uh, to live from our spiritual values, uh, to live with compassion and to co-create with creativity new projects and in- initiatives that are so much needed for our world of the 21st century. As our First Nations Hopi sisters and brothers would point out, we are the ones that we have been waiting for. And I see it in these two guests today as they speak to the wisdom of a wonderful spiritual mystic who wrote, all human events are rooted in the law of cause and effect. 
And in this life, we are the architects of our own soul's destiny. So today, we're going to be speaking on a theme of spirituality and dreams. And, of course, it runs us into tomorrow's program on the wonderful vision of Grandfather's vision for Victoria Island. And today, with uh, Sister Monglam here, I'd like to start with inviting her to, first of all, share a little bit in about six minutes, if she can. And that's a huge task for all of us who lead very full, rich lives. Uh, her story of her childhood and how she came to Canada, a little bit of hope, what she does and her passion and her vocation. So, Sister, welcome to the program. Thank you, Judith. Um, my name is uh, Mangalam Lina. Um, I am a sister of the Congregation of Franciscan Missionaries of Mary. Originally, I'm from Sri Lanka, but now I'm here in Canada as a missionary. And uh, I'm going to share with you my dream, which now has realized. (laughs) At the age of five, I encountered an elderly man who was living in a hut away from the people. I was sent by my mother to deliver some food. I was shocked to see him left alone in a dark, dirty hut. I was afraid to approach him. But my fear was overcome by compassion and I was able to go close to him and give him the food. I saw the joy in his face while he was eating. But my mind was filled with questions. How can he live alone without any help? Who comes to visit him? Who prepares his meals? While I was searching for answers, I heard him say, Please come and visit me again. He was pleading. I left the place sad and pondering. I couldn't find answers for these questions, but one thing was sure. I felt the call, a deep call, to serve the poor and the lonely. Young as I was, I decided this is what I'm going to do when I grow up. That's a wonderful story, sister. So that early childhood impacted your life and it eventually brought you to Canada, but there must be a story on how you arrived here. Oh, yes. This incident had a great impact on my life. I became more sensitive to people's suffering, especially to the sick, the poor, the downtrodden, and the marginalized. In retrospect, I could see how every event in my life prepared me and paved the path to realize my dream. I was a missionary in Israel and then in France. It was in France I had the opportunity to study nursing, to take care of the elderly sisters. While I was in France, my elderly mother fell sick in Canada and I was asked to take care of her for three months. At the end of the three months, my re-entry visa to France expired and I was refused a visa to return to France. So the mother house in Rome assigned me to remain in Canada. You see, once again, Providence played a role to realize this dream. And the rest is history, you know it. I was qualified as chaplain at St. Paul's University. 
I met you in the hospital, at Civic Hospital, and then again in the tapestry house. It was at the tapestry house for the first time I shared my dream. Yes, I remember it very well, uh, sister, and I've sort of been very privileged to be part of your journey of meeting you first and you sharing your ideas and then us both meeting at the Tapestry House. And having watched you over these years, I've seen both you and your project evolve. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what the training programs are and what home-based spiritual care has been doing uh, in the last 10 years as we celebrate its first decade? First, I would like to share the mission of home-based spiritual care. It is to provide spiritual support to individuals who are confined to their homes due to illness or age, or those who are lonely, chronically, or terminally ill or dying, regardless of race, color, or creed. It was in 1999 I shared my dream in an article written in The Citizen called Spiritual Care, Essential Part of Holistic Healthcare. The dream was to provide spiritual care in the homes like other healthcare services. People responded positively. We invited those who were interested and discussed for several months at Tapestry House. Finally, it was decided that we need to start an organization to provide this service. On November 22, 1999, a meeting was held at the Franciscan Sisters at 145 Preslin Road. The organization's name was chosen, prospective board members were identified, and a draft constitution was presented and discussed. Plans were also made to apply for charitable status, and the first board meeting of HSC was scheduled for January 24, 2000. The training. The training has encompassed many people over the years, and it's part of what uh, I was talking about a moment ago with your wonderful mission. It's evolved tremendously over the years. Mm -hmm. And I understand now you're uh, having people participating uh, from many multicultural backgrounds in the training program and also partnering with another new group. Could you tell us a bit about that? In the last 10 years, we have developed and delivered training to assist individuals to provide these services in the community. And through our efforts, Thousands of people in the Ottawa area have received support at the most difficult times of their lives. This training has included spiritual companions and nonviolent communication. In 2009, we launched our new Compassionate Companion Training Program, which is initially targeted at immigrant seniors, but which will be expanded to include a wider community of isolated and lonely people. And if you are interested in this training program, you can get more information. You can go to our website, which is www.homebased-spiritualcare.ca or you can also contact us at 613-422. Three three seven six. So that gives us some wonderful wealth of richness of ideas of the passion and the background of Sister Mangalam and how it's led her to be of service selflessly from a vocation of great care and compassion. Uh, Sister, I understand too, in the, as we approach a new get decade, uh, you are actually going into something new with some other partnerships. Could you tell us a little <clears throat> bit about that? 
In 2008, we became partners with the Jewish Family Services, and they are sponsoring our Compassionate Companion Training Program. And for the first time, we had participants from the Chinese community, the Somali community, and the Sikh community. And our hope for this year is to um, extend this program to other community services here in Ottawa. So that includes the Muslim community too? Yes, the Somali community, mainly they are Muslims. Isn't that wonderful? So as we see with home-based spiritual care, reaching out to others with compassion, we see people from all cultures coming together, uh, not just to train, but to co-partner in bringing forth this initiative. Thank you so much, Sister Mangalam. Thank you very much. And uh, Judith, that was a great set of questions and answers that will be captured in a CD for future reference for podcasting. You'll get a copy, Sister. And uh, that's a nice basis for uh, um, coming to um, to Ramola Thumbado, uh um, I'm wondering, because uh, we're close to the break, uh, whether we should go to break in a minute or so. And then after the break, we'll... Uh, Ramona, you're, you heard what um, the sister said? Ramona, are you still there? Hmm. Ramona? Hello. Oh, did you hear what the sister said? Yes, I did. It's very interesting and very inspiring uh, work the sister is involved in. Well, so that's great, and it's sort of a nice combination that Judith, uh, uh, with you and her, and, and we're going to come back after the break, Ramolda and, and uh, Judith will introduce you, and you'll uh, get a chance to do a presentation yourself, and tomorrow on part two, uh, we're going to be focusing on Victoria Island, and um, after the break, you'll be giving your um, general background and philosophy and your work with Grandfather Elder Commander, and so why don't we uh, go to break now, and we'll, come, we'll rejoin us after the break. Time for another Chin Radio Traffic Update. OPV, it's a pretty quiet drive on our major routes. No accidents on the 416 as well as the Queensway. According to Ottawa Police, the collision now at Woodward and Maitland. Also, this ongoing problem spot at Montreal Road and Aviation Parkway. Traffic for Mark Motors. Get more for less with Audi's new 2010 A3 TDI. Get up to 1,100 kilometers per tank with a turbocharged clean diesel engine. MarkMotorsOfOttawa.com. A Maytel Sperling, and that's the latest traffic on Chin 97.9. And as far as our uh, weather goes for today and the next few days, currently it's minus 10 in Ottawa, Gatineau, and we should reach a high of about minus 6 or 7 this afternoon, overnight tonight. Not too bad. About minus 7, minus 6 is where we'll steady at. And then for tomorrow, a bit milder with a few flurries coming our way. High minus 3 for Tuesday and a bit uh, milder for Wednesday with a mix of uh, sun and cloud and a high of minus uh, 2 degrees for Wednesday. It's currently minus 10. You have a bit of a wind chill factor to contend with. But aside from that, a fairly pleasant afternoon in Ottawa. We're coming up in 1247. And we're back to our ADR program with Ernie Tannis and his guests. Well, it's coincidence it's minus 10 in 2010. But thanks to shows like this, it warms our hearts. It'll be, you'll feel uh, plus 100 after uh, you hear this great love and compassion that's going out from our community. And uh, thank you again, Sister uh, Mangalam Linov, on your uh, your presentation. We'll repeat your phone number and website later. Now I'm going to turn it back to Judith Matheson to introduce um, our next guest, Ramola. Thank you, Ernie. And Sister Mangalam, again, thank you so much. Um, what I'd like to do now is speak a little bit as to the evolution of the uh, Heart and Soul Life Center because it speaks to our next guest. Um, it's such a wonderful thing when we read wonderful, powerful messages such as Chief Dan George wrote. 
He wrote about the fact that we are only as much alive as we keep our earth alive. And the Heart and Soul Light Center has evolved similar to the home-based spiritual care where the simple idea, an inspiration from a higher power, has motivated individuals to believe and to take an action. And the Heart and Soul Light Center has been co-partnering similar to home-based spiritual care with other people to help people to expand consciousness to new choices and to experience our interrelationship to all things. Uh, There is a huge paradigm shift in understanding that health and disease as balance and imbalance as we understand what our indigenous peoples have known for thousands of years. And that is how the wisdom of how our connection to each other in right relationship affects our home, ourselves and our planet Earth. As a service to the wider community, I believe that the circle of nations and the culture of peace which Grandfather and Romola so much symbolize, is here to help us realize that as we heal ourselves and expand our own consciousness, that we are all the ones that we have been waiting for. And it gives me great pleasure to again introduce our guest this morning, who also can speak to us of her background, of her uh, story as a child, and what brought her here from South Africa. And to share with us this morning the wonderful vocation and passion and work of her own spirituality and her dreams. And so, Ramola, thank you so much for being with us again here today. And I'll give the floor to you to express to us a bit of your story and how you've been working with Grandfather. Thank you, Judith. Uh, Thank you, Ernie. And uh, thank you, Sister, for your inspiring presentation. I came to Canada in 1970. I was born in South Africa of uh, parents of East Indian ancestry, and I understand now the the, uh, the correct term is South Asian people. Uh, so I was, uh, the, the, the issue of identity was always a, a little bit of a question, and even more so when I moved to Canada, because, you know, I'm South African, but I'm not African. I'm uh, Indian, but I've really never lived in India. In Canada, it was easy to assume the identity of Canadian. Uh, And uh, in my first years, I studied Canadian literature. I learned about the country through the the eyes and words of the the earlier settlers, uh, then the uh, English and the French. And I, uh, I became Canadian, as it were. Later on, I began to work with Aboriginal people, with the, uh, the, the first peoples of the country, and then I began to question my identity a little bit uh, more because I discovered that really I wasn't uh, the uh, real Indian. Um, Native people were called Indian, and then there was all this confusion about terminology. And uh, I began to to, uh, realize I knew very little about the first peoples of this land. And um, I came to understand uh, their their place and their position through my my work. Initially, as I say, I studied literature. And Canadian literature, I found, focused on nature, the fearsomeness of nature and the fearsomeness of the weather. And... uh, it took me 10 years to really understand what that meant, because after 10 years of study, I went to the Rocky Mountains, and I developed a massive headache, and I just felt the overwhelming presence of nature and winter, and I began to understand what the people were writing about. 
But in fact, I discovered 10 years later, I didn't really understand. 10 years later, I had the opportunity to meet an indigenous elder who talked about that particular area in the Rocky Mountains as being the corridor for the, the, the pathway of the ancient people. And then I began to understand the spiritual dimension of the power of this land. And uh, that reality only really came alive to me through the, the years of my contact with indigenous peoples. I initially started working um, in the criminal justice system. And over the years, I worked everywhere uh, across this country in prisons, maximum and minimum security, in parole, in policy development and program development. And I recall in Alberta, one of my bosses asking me a question, and he asked what I thought about uh, working with Aboriginal peoples. And this was in the early 80s. And I said, oh, uh, not that I knew all that much about Aboriginal people. I said, well, you know, everybody's equal and uh, uh, we must treat everybody with respect. And I said all those good words, which apparently were very suitable with the interview. And, uh, uh, and uh, so I became more involved with Native people. Years later, I began to realize I'd actually not answered uh, the question properly, uh, and the question didn't really have uh, its own right answer, because I realized that I and most other people were quite different from the original peoples of this land. And I began to realize really that, that the Native people were invisible within their own ancestral homelands. And so being Canadian began to, to, to mean new things to me. At this stage, I myself had a, multi, a multiracial, multicultural family, so I was very connected with uh, the issues uh, that caused so much of strife in my life uh, in, in South Africa, the racial tensions, the racial um, discrimination. Uh, so I was, uh, you know, um, uh, living a much more racially integrated and harmonious life uh, here in Canada, but then I realized the missing part of the story was the indigenous people. Um, um, something through Native justice in my path, and so I ended up working for over 15 years in my formal career in Aboriginal corrections, Aboriginal justice, and Aboriginal policing. And it was during this period that the Native voices rose and um, expressed uh, ideas about so many innovative concepts in, in the field of uh, reconciliation, peace building, harmony, and, um, and justice, that uh, uh, I was really, really, truly inspired by, by what they were sharing. This came at a period when, in Canada, uh, there were justice inquiries in every province and every territory, which indicated that Native people were uh, ill-served uh, by a system that was full of systemic and overt racism. But, of course, I began to realize that racism was not limited to the justice system. It uh, impacted Native people's lives all over the place. It was during this work that I was, in, uh, uh, that I was invited to set up an Aboriginal Justice Learning Network to draw together people from the justice system, judges, lawyers, uh, policemen, etc., policymakers, and Native people, elders, women, children, probation workers, uh, uh, political leadership, etc. And it was during this period that I met Grandfather Commander. 
by this time I was just much more aware both of the issues and concerns and struggles of indigenous peoples. As well, I became increasingly aware of the great strength and wisdom uh, in, in their, their, their belief systems. And, and um, that was only uh, tremendously reinforced for me when I met uh, uh, Grandfather William Commander. Ramona, just on that point, I wanted to tell listeners, you know, you're referring to Elder uh, Grandfather Commander of the Algonquin Nation um, and who is uh, spearheading the Circle of All Nations. Uh, people can go to the Circle of All Nations website, um, and uh, I just wanted to also mention we have a, just two minutes left for this part. So what I think we're going to do um, is because, to Ramona, you're going to be on part two tomorrow. I think it's a wonderful uh, springboard here because uh, you've just introduced the um, Grandfather Commander and the uh, that would lead to Victoria Island and the Algonquin Nation. And we can pick up, uh, Ramona, you can take some quality time on tomorrow's part two to do the, sh- to do the uh, completion of that story. We'll have ample time to do that. Um, that was the voice of Ramola Thumbadu, uh, the coordinator of Circle of All Nations. You can go to web.mac.com slash Circle of All Nations um, or just to Circle of All Nations. Um, and the um, we'll give other coordinates um, for that. So would that be okay, Ramola? You can join us for part two to finish the uh, story. Um, by all means. And I want to take this opportunity then to, uh, to conclude this part one to thank again Sister Mangalam Lina, I think I pronounced it right, Home-Based Spiritual Care. You could go to their website. She gave it at www.homebased-spiritualcare.ca, 613-422-33676. And she's uh, indicated that there, that work and that um, real-life work has been extended to the uh, all the Abrahamic faiths and beyond now to the other, other religious groups. So that's wonderful. Jewish, Muslim, Christian, and now Sikh. And you're going to extend it beyond a good... Good for you. And I know the humanists and atheists that are listening, uh, um, I'm sure could, uh, they have their own spirituality. And uh, there's, this is the good side of religions that uh, people don't pay attention to. They always look at the bad side that, that's been politicized. So, Judith Matheson, um, I want to thank you again. Now, maybe we have about a minute or so left if you want to make a, sort of a, a wrap-up comment about, the, t- t- about today, yeah. this afternoon, and what we're going to do tomorrow. We have about one minute. Looking to, forward uh, to, to tomorrow, Ernie. Uh, just to thank uh, the two uh, wonderful friends of mine that were able to come and be part of this program today. And to mention that as a, a, as a wonderful a celebration, Sister Mangalam will have a, a gathering on January 24th to celebrate this 10 years of home-based spiritual care. And also on February 6th, part of what this program is all about is the Heart and Soul Light Centre in partnership with Spiritual Frontiers Canada. We'll be celebra- celebrating an evening of unity in diversity with potluck and entertainment and hopefully health and weather permitting grandfather Romola will be there. Well, we'll talk about that tomorrow. We have a little bit, just enough for me to read something from the Circle of All Nations. Quote, it was prophesied that the time would come when the voice of indigenous peoples would rise again after 500 years of silence and oppression to light a path to an eternal file of peace, love, brotherhood, and sisterhood amongst all nations. Well, what, uh-huh. a, what a way to springboard into 2010, Gary. <laughs> we, um, real being multicultural, can't get more multicultural than this. We covered uh, pretty much all the bases, I think, huh? I think I hope if we missed anything, we still got part two tomorrow to work to work it out. Yeah, I think the only thing we didn't talk about were the Ottawa Senators win, uh, <laughs> and Kovalev finally shot with four goals yeah. and an assist yesterday. That's true. Eh? So that was great. Well, we're scoring big here with this series. Thank you so much, and uh, again, uh, the show will continue tomorrow afternoon at the same time. 
12.30 here on Chin 97.9. And, of course, following our news and uh, sports at 1, the Arabic program here in Ottawa's Multicultural Voice. <laughs>